this morning, I feel like the text has to do with the marathon because there was a few people on the worship team when they were coming in this morning and they were, uh, let's just say they experienced some trials trying to get here this morning. Their faith was tested in many ways. One person was within. They said, I could see the Emmaus sign, but I just couldn't get there. It was so terrible. But the Lord is good. Hey, this morning we are starting uh, a brand new series here. We took a few weeks uh, to just speak on some different things kind of topically, but what we're going to do now uh, for the foreseeable future, and I'm not sure exactly how long that's going to last, is we are going to go through the book of James. And I love the book. Somebody clapped like, oh, oh my goodness, this is good. All right, praise the Lord. But the book of James, if you've never read through it before and studied it, it's really wonderful for all sorts of reasons. But one of my favorite parts about the book of James is that it's just so, so practical in many different ways. It really, really is. It's, just, it's almost written in some ways for me when I'm reading through it like Proverbs. It's just like jam-packed of this wisdom and, and, and practical things that, that we should do and, and live out as followers of Christ. And so one of the things that we do as we're going through different books of the Bible, or one of the things I try to encourage everyone to do, is to read through it on your own away from the church, to study the book of James as we're going through it. It just really makes it come to life in greater and greater ways. And then also in your house church groups, when you guys are discussing the text and the sermon from Sunday morning, it'll just have a lot more depth and you'll be able to discuss things in greater ways. So I want to encourage you to do that. And we're just going little chunk by chunk uh, throughout the the book of James. Um, So just a little bit about this book before we get into the first four verses this morning. This was written by James, the brother of Jesus, and it was written to believers, and it says right at the beginning that were dispersed, these 12 tribes that were dispersed amongst the area kind of of Palestine is where this would be taking place, and, and they, these, these believers are facing tremendous persecution in all these different ways, and that's why they're dispersed throughout this area. And so even in our text this morning when we're talking about trials, and, and, and when James is writing to them, it, it's really hitting at home for them because they're experiencing some real difficulties in their lives. Um, and so one of the, the things that he addresses also throughout the book of James is that people are living out their faith. He calls them to be not merely hearers, hearers of the word, but to be doers of the, of the word. That's one of the themes that we'll see as we go throughout it. To not be double-minded is also something that James talks about. But the main theme, if there's some themes that are kind of going on throughout the whole book, is to live out your faith, to be doers of the word. No matter what you're facing or going through, you're faithful and obedient to the Lord our God and and to his word. And so in light of understanding this, that this is James writing to believers who have been scattered throughout the area of Palestine because of persecution. Listen what he starts off by saying in verses 1 through 4 this morning. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
All right, let's pray real quick. Lord, I, I love you. And I just thank you that we can know you. That we can know the, the creator of the universe, the creator of each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you for your great love demonstrated by sending your son Jesus to die for me and for each person, Lord. He is the gift of salvation and life for all mankind, Lord. And I just praise you for that truth, for the gospel. And this morning, Lord, as we're going through this text, Lord, I pray that first, Lord, that yes, we would understand what it says, Lord, that we would get it in our heads, in our minds, but Lord, also that we would get it into our hearts, Lord, and that the truth that is taught and proclaimed through your word this morning would, would just set deep roots in our hearts, Father, that would lead to an, uh, an overflow of obedience as we follow you. And Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you to do a work in our hearts this morning, to do what only you can do. So Lord, like we sang, you satisfy every time you walk in the room. Lord, that's, that's a funny lyric to me, but I love it because you are here with us right now. You are within us and you are meeting with us here this morning. Lord, may we worship you in such a way and respond to your word in obedience. So, Lord, we love you. This time is yours. Do with it as you please. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, one of the things that I think is really interesting as the, the book of James starts off is as James is introducing himself to the readers, he says, um, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's kind of profound that his identity is found as a servant of the Lord. And why that's significant, and this is just a little blurb before we get into the, the main part of the text I want to focus on, is he could have said, I, James, am brother of thee, Jesus Christ. Look at me, and boasting even of his relationship to, to Jesus and, and all these different things, but he doesn't see himself and flaunt even his connections, if you will, in that sort of way, but he's humble and he understands that even though Jesus was his brother, that more so than that, he was the savior of the world, and he had found his identity in Jesus Christ to where he identified, much like Paul does when he writes his letters, as a servant of the Lord. And that's how he starts off the letter, which I think is profound, that he calls himself a servant of Christ. And like I mentioned, he's written, it says, to these people who have been facing persecution, who have been spread out over this region, and these people have experienced tremendous loss. They've been pushed out of their homes. They've been facing all these different trials and, and difficulties. They're seeking refuge in these different places. And then in light of that, he says what we read in verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, my fellow believers, my brothers, when you meet, when you face trials of various kinds. Now, I don't know about you. But my initial response when I read just verse 2 and that part of it alone, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, whatever. I mean, really, seriously, consider it all joy when we're facing trials. Like, is that even something that can legitimately happen? 
And maybe that's where you're at this morning. When you read this, you think about it, you're in the midst of trials, you might be thinking to yourself, how is that, I mean, is that even possible? Maybe in the little bitty things, right? Like, oh my goodness, this light skipped a a cycle and I've sat here too. This is a big trial that I shall endure because of the Lord and I can even have joy, right? Like that part of stuff, you get that. But what about like the big things? What about the real deep painful trials of life. Is this true? I mean, like, can this really take place? And I believe it can. And I think the Word of God is gonna, is so beautiful in teaching and showing us that. And you know, one of the other things I love about God's Word, and you must know as a follower of Christ, and especially if you're a new believer, you are gonna have trials, You are going to have difficulties in your life. And the word of God is so good because it prepares us for all the different things that we will face throughout our lives. It's not promising that everything's going to be smooth sailing and, you know, 70 degrees or whatever your temperature is and all this stuff. Like, there's going to be difficulty. But the word of God is so good because it tells us how we can, in fact, call it joy in the midst of some of those trials. And, And one of the things that we must know here when it says count it all joy is that joy and happiness they're they're not exactly the same and sometimes we blend them together in a way that's confusing because i can promise you in the midst of trials and difficulties even in in my life at different times i'm not happy about it i'm not like celebrating always that these things have happened in my life but i can have in the midst of those a deep just seated joy in my soul knowing that God is good and that he is loving, that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, that he is in control, that his ways are higher than our ways, that like he, he is not out of control in those moments. He hasn't forsaken me in those moments. And so we can find joy because it goes beyond what is happening in our circumstance. And in fact, the word happiness comes from the same root word that we get the word happening. And so much of what happiness is, is based on what is happening to you. Happiness is a good thing. I promise you. I was just talking to a guy I just met a minute ago, and him and I share one of the greatest things that bring true happiness in life, and that is duck hunting, okay? You may laugh, but if you ever try it, it's worse than crack cocaine, okay? It is very addictive. It is. It legitimately is, okay? There's good things, that happen to you in life, that bring happiness. I, I love spending time with my wife and my kids. That makes me happy. I love, like I said, doing things in the outdoors. I love food in general. Like it's one of my favorite hobbies and it brings a lot of happiness to my life. It really does. I love being with my family and friends. Those things are good and a lot of those things promote happiness in our lives. But we have to understand that if your joy, if your true joy in life is rooted in something that can be taken away from you at any time, you're always on the brink of having just this terrible loss and dissatisfaction in life. And the reason for that is because the only place that, that joy, that true joy and that peace that goes beyond circumstance or your situation, it's only found in one place, friends, and that's in Jesus Christ. And when you have him and you know him and you love him, It changes everything, even in the midst of your trials and difficult circumstances, because there's so many things in our world and in our life that can be taken from us, but you know the one thing that can't is Jesus. 
He can never be taken from us. He is our joy. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our security. He's all those things. They're found in Christ. And you know what? Just, just that fact alone, we should be just excited to rejoice and worship the Lord. We really should. And life, like I said, it's full of trials. It's full of difficulties. This isn't some crazy, obscure scripture where this is just mentioned once, like, hey, consider it all joy when, because it doesn't say if, but it says when. It's a guarantee that you will face trials. Look at all the followers of Christ. Good night. They faced trials, right? I don't know why we're so shocked and surprised sometimes when life is difficult when that's all you read about throughout the Word of God, right? But sometimes you're like, how could this be happening to me, right? You're not exempt. I hate to break that to you, but you're not. But even look, look in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, or 13. It says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And that's legitimately how we feel sometimes. And maybe some people you know and love, there's this thing that happens in their life, this trial, and they're like shocked. How could this happen? It's not possible in my life. But the Word of God talks about it so often. But it says rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Jesus, think about Jesus Himself. Did He experience any trials for crying out loud? Yes. He was flogged, tortured, beat, I mean like imprisoned, crucified. If, if that's how Jesus is going to be treated here on earth, why would we think we're exempt from it in many ways? He was, he was tempted in the desert by the enemy and replaced all those lies with truth. There is so many things throughout the Word of God that tell us this. And Paul, think about the Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. Did he have any trials? Just a few, right? Just a few. He, in fact, many of his writings that we read that talk about rejoicing and praising the Lord and finding joy and, and all these things in Christ are done from his prison cell in the midst of trial. Yet he found his hope and his joy and his security and his identity in Christ. And because of that, he could pen letters of the word of God through the Holy Spirit for us to have and to hold and to read and to cling to. Pretty amazing. This is not something that should, should surprise us. And in fact, in Romans 12, this is not on the screen, but it, it Paul instructs us, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And here's something else he says, weep with those who weep. And I want to say this when it comes to trials, because sometimes I think we can miss something that's really important. What James does not mean and what he is not saying is just to put on your happy face and act like everything's okay and it's not affecting you. That's not the case whatsoever. And sometimes even good intentioned people, I feel like in the midst of trial and, and trying to help other people along, we say, well, you just need to get over it. Or you just need to pretend like everything's good. Then you'll feel better. Then joy will actually come. But that is not the case whatsoever. There is a season for everything including weeping, including the dealing with the true raw emotions of the trials that you're going through. And the beautiful thing about those, in those moments, though, is the Lord is with you. He hasn't forsaken you, he hadn't abandoned you, and he doesn't want you to pretend like everything is okay and like it's not affecting you. That is not what the word of God is telling us this morning. But what we do, what we do do, I hate saying do do, that just sounds so bad, and I said it, man. <laughs> but we choose to trust 
in the Lord in those moments and in those times. We, we choose to trust him in all those situations that we face in life. And remember this, God is sovereign over all and he can and he will and he does use all those things. I don't believe personally that, that, that he is happy also about the, the effects of sin in the world and we can't say, well, God has necessarily sent this on this person or that person or whatever, but I can promise you one thing, there's nothing too great for him. No matter what the enemy tries to use for evil and wicked to destroy the plans of, of the Lord, he cannot and will not win. He's never victorious. In the end, there is a king of kings and lord of lords and that's our God. The tests of life, and I really believe this, and it's funny, a friend of mine came in this morning, where our, one of our elders, Michael Butasey, he has some boys running in the race this morning out there, but we were talking, and I didn't even say anything to him, but he made a statement that the difficulties of life are really meant to make us, like to shape us, and they are, and I've always said trials are not meant to, they're meant to make us, not break us, like they legitimately are, they're meant to make us not to break us. And that's exactly what we see throughout this text. Or text. Listen to verse 3. It says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And in a nutshell, what this is saying and what this is getting at right here is that the trials that we go through and that we face in life ultimately lead to maturity. To a, it's a strengthening and leads to greater maturity. And it leads to growth that honestly I believe sometimes would never happen. Like if I think about my life and, and maybe if, if you think about your life and the seasons where you've grown the most, for me the majority of those times are in the seasons where things are the most difficult. And then you come out of those and you're stronger. You're more mature. You understand who the Lord is in greater and greater ways. Like, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't pray, God, please send me trials. <laughs> I don't. But you know what? There's a part of me, and this, this is just being honest with you. There's a part of me that when things are difficult, I have a joy now that I've never had before because here's what I'm excited about. When there are things in my life that are outside of my control and, and are truly a, a painful even trial sometimes, the beauty of that is I am going to see God do what only he can do in my life and in my situation. And that's exciting. And that's the reality of life. God is in control and he loves you and he's for you. He's not against you. And in the midst of those trials and those moments where you just literally cannot do anything, you can't change this trial, this circumstance, you can't do it. The beauty is you are going to see God do things that are above and beyond you. That's exciting. And that's pretty amazing that in those moments we can experience those sort of things. You know, followers of Christ, we want to see good fruit in our lives, right? We really do. We want to see good fruit, good godly fruit in our life. And I always think, where, do, where does fruit grow? It doesn't grow on the mountaintops. It grows in the valleys. 
It really does. And so even in those trials, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, just like it says in our text, you're bringing about a steadfastness, an unwavering clinging to you that's going to lead to this maturity, this perseverance that's just going to continue to grow and to build throughout my life. And it can be a great, exciting thing. But the choice for us in those moments is will we trust God and his promises and the truth of his word in the midst of those? Because it will shake you. Trials will shake you and they will make you doubt and question if the word of God is literally true and if you can trust him and if he really will see you through these things. Like, let's not, I don't want to minimize trials in our lives because they can shake you to the core. When you're diagnosed with a terminal illness, when you're, you lose a loved one, when, I mean, these terrible things happen in your life, they're legitimate. And you've got really good questions in those moments, but the Lord has really good answers too. And you can trust his word in the midst of some of the most painful and all the most painful moments of your life. And it says in this text here that our faith is being tested. Our faith is being tested. If you buy a waterproof jacket and you only wear it around in the sun and never out in the rain, you don't really know if it's legit or not, if it really will do what it says it will do. You don't. If you want to see if it'll do what it says it'll do, you're going to wear it out in the rainstorms and see if it keeps you dry. In the same way, Wayne, when you are faced with a test, with a trial in your life, that's where you can really see where your faith is and where your security is. And if you really believe what you say you believe, and guess what? You won't go at it alone, which is another beautiful thing of the body of Christ. In those moments, that's when you call upon other brothers and sisters to to link arms with you and to intercede for you and to, to go through those things together. And you will see the Lord bring peace and bring wholeness and bring restoration and bring even joy in the midst of those difficult, difficult moments. God uses trials to mature us and make us stronger than ever. I was thinking this morning, these, these guys and, and gals running the race out here today, like they've been training through that. And in the midst, if you've ever trained for anything, there are times where it is difficult right? Where there are trials, there is pain involved, but you push through that and you get stronger and stronger. In fact, the ones who will be the most successful in this race are probably ones that have persevered through the pain and the trials in their training and even uh, ran further than they're going to so that in the midst of this race, it's going to be good. It's going to be even easier than what they've trained for. You always want to train even beyond that stuff. But in the same way, man, the trials of life, God uses to strengthen us, to bring about a maturity so that when the next trial comes, you can walk through it in greater ways than you ever would before. Like, that's why I'm saying, when I said a minute ago, I actually, guys, I will, the Lord uses things to bring me to my knees all the time, okay? He does, because life's difficult, but I have a different perspective and hope and joy in the midst of those than I did five years ago and that I did 10 years ago. And the reason is, is because God has always brought me through the trials and he always will. He'll never leave me. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. In the midst of the, your darkest days and moments, God is with you and he will see you through. And remember that. Because when the next trial comes, because you will face trials, when it comes, reflect on that, remember that, and let that strengthen you and give you a greater hope and trust that, okay, God, you've brought me through all these things in my life. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not changing. You will see me through this as well. 
and I will trust you, Lord, in this. And that brings joy. It brings hope, and it brings peace in the midst of all those things. Trials refine us. They really do, like, go, like gold. And, and the book of Job, and Job is just going through some craziness, right? He says in Job 23.10, he talks about what's going to happen. He says, until I come forth as gold. Do you know how gold is purified and refined? It's put through the fire. It's heated up to just super high temperatures to where it melts. And what happens is all the impurities that are in that gold rise to the surface so they can be scraped out and you're left with a more pure gold. In the trials of life, you are being put through the fire in some ways. But the beautiful thing is after you are through those things, you're refined, uh, complete, mature, and are molded more into the image of Christ, which is what we all want, right? We want to be imitators of Christ. We want to be like Jesus. And so even in those moments, understand that God is using these things to purify us in greater, greater ways. Now, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm, I know that there's some of you who are sitting here and you're thinking, okay, great. Even if that's what it means to go through trials, that it brings all these things and maturity and a refining and all these different things, I'm just good how I am, Right? You're like, I can do without the trials. I'm happy with how I am, so I'll just avoid them. Well, here's the thing about that. If that's where you're at and that's what you're thinking, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you can't avoid it, okay? There is nothing you can do to avoid trials in life. They just happen. They come out of nowhere sometimes. You never even see them coming. You don't. You can't avoid them. So this is why it's important that you wrestle with this and begin to just continue to dig those roots in the Lord and his word and who he is because you will withstand the trial in greater and greater ways. You really were. They're inevitable. Trials are inevitable. But you you know what? uh, Misery is optional. Trials are inevitable, but misery is optional. Like, you don't have to let those things break you. You really don't. The Lord will see you through that. There is a way to have joy beyond your circumstance, and it's found in one place, and that place is Jesus Christ. It really is. Like, in the midst of the pain and difficulty of life, people turn all sorts of places trying to to feel that, that hope again, right? Trying to feel that joy again, trying to find peace despite what's going on in their lives. And they turn to alcohol and drugs and relationships and money and to all these different things, trying to cover and deal with the pain of these trials and circumstances they find themselves in. But they're fleeting. They don't work. They don't last. They're temporary at best. But Jesus, and Jesus is where you will find joy that completely sees you through those situations. We find joy in finding Jesus because he is the source of eternal joy. In Romans 15, 13, it says this about the Lord. It says, may the God of hope, listen how awesome that is, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We serve a God of hope, not despair. It is a living hope, is how it describes the Lord. 
We serve a God of hope. And look, he will fill you with all joy and peace and believing and trusting and and putting your faith in him so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Here's the other part that we have to remember, friends. If you try to see yourself through in your own strength and abilities, you won't make it. But the Lord... The God of hope will fill you through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you won't just have a little hope, but you're going to abound in hope. Awesome. Absolutely incredible. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love this verse because you know what? If I'm lacking in the joy department, and I know when I am, I think we all do in many ways. If you're married, ask your spouse and they'll tell you. But in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. One of the things that I have to do and it's sometimes it's the most difficult to do, but in the times where things are difficult and there's pain and there's trials and they hurt, is just to worship the Lord and to be in his presence. And it's amazing. When you are in the presence of God and you are worshiping him, it's like everything else can just fade and the Lord reminds you of who he is, the promises of his word, that you are his child and that he will care for you, that nothing can come against him that is gonna be too big for him and you can trust him. And it all, it's like the Lord, when we're worshiping him, it promotes this joy in our lives that's found in his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And remember, like we talked about maybe almost a month ago, like worship is spiritual warfare. Because in the trials, in the difficult times, the enemy loves to swoop in and begin to get us to to try to doubt God and his goodness and his sovereignty and his plan and his power and his love for you. Like he wants to whisper those things in your mind but when you are worshiping the lord and in his presence he reminds you of the truth of who he is and it leads to this spring of joy that comes up from within you worship the lord but understand that god he will give us all we need for all situations that we face in john chapter 16 verses 20 through 22 It says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Here, this is Jesus talking about when he would be crucified and the reactions that would take place, but he tells them that their sorrow will be temporary because an everlasting joy is coming. And that is so true for us, even in the midst of our trials. The worst case scenario in, in any trial, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but just reality, like the worst thing that happened to us in this life is we die. We are killed. I mean, in, in many ways. But we have an eternal joy and hope and life that's found in Christ that's forevermore. You know what? That's like that's how some of the heroes of the faith could walk through what they did, and some of the people that are, in my opinion, heroes of the faith on this earth today that are laying down their lives for the spread of the gospel, they don't care to die. 
They don't care because they understand that there's this living hope, this eternal hope that's found in Christ and life that's beyond this world. We live as if this world is everything. And so sometimes in the midst of the trials, it seems like our everything is falling apart, but our everything is Jesus and he is eternal and nothing can stop him. So we place our hope and our faith and trust in him and it's that everlasting joy. Psalm 23. I want to read Psalm 23 this morning. I'm running out of time. Big surprise, right? If I can find Psalm. Psalm 23. Very familiar psalm, right? I just want to read it, and I want you to listen to it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that psalm is absolutely incredible. And the truth, in many ways, all of it, in some ways for me when I'm reading it, that is so powerful, can be summed up in what it says at the very beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I have the Lord, I have everything I need for life, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and face this, that, and the other, I have the Lord who is forevermore. I shall not lack, need anything, because I have Jesus Christ. You know, one of the exciting things about joy also, and you guys might be here this morning in some of the most difficult trials that you've ever faced in your life. Like, I get that. But the beautiful thing, and and, and joy the joy of the Lord might be the furthest thing that you're feeling and experiencing in your life right now. The beautiful thing is that the joy of the Lord can be restored. It really can. And, and um, Psalm 51, verse 12. Do I have this on the screen? Praise the Lord. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation God will, can and will and does restore joy. And so much of it does boil down to just understanding salvation and who we are and who God is and what we have in him that is eternal. It really is. But if you're here this morning and maybe you're going through some trials in your life, maybe there's things going on that nobody knows about. You haven't told a soul. But the reality is your heart is heavy. The weight of life is just pressing down on your shoulders. I want to tell you that God wants you to leave here walking in a peace and a joy and that living hope that's found in him alone. And it comes in all sorts of different ways. I really believe it, but there's something about just worshiping God entering his presence and worshiping him like we talked about. There's this part of confession and just saying, God, I need you, Lord, I confess. I've been trying to do this on my own or Lord, I'm scared or Lord, this hurts and how could you allow, like just talk to God and be honest with him. Get it out. 
Have people pray with you and over you because when God's people pray, he heals and he moves and he restores broken hearts. He, and you just cast your cares upon him. You're yoked with Christ. Remember that. And his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He wants to bear the burden of life as you're yoked with him and you walk throughout life. You can leave here with joy. Doesn't mean your trial is always going to end just like this but you can face those trials and those circumstances with the joy of the Lord. I have two questions this morning, only two, because I just couldn't come up with a third one, okay? I mean, I could, but I didn't feel like it was good, so. First question is this. Are you surprised by trials in your life? Are you? Honestly, sometimes I am. Like, God, I'm serving you. I'm doing the best I can with all these things. And like, why? Right? But guys, remember, it's not an if, but it's a when. And God uses all those things. And don't let trials in your life shake you in such a way that you begin to believe that God isn't with you or for you. Because he is. And in fact, he is so good to us that he tells us all throughout his word that those things are normal and to be expected, but to not worry. I will see you through and I will be with you through those trials. The second question is how can you turn and cling to Jesus during difficult times? Like, I'm not going to give a cookie cutter response to you guys this morning of like how to to work through those trials outside of the, the basic thing that I think goes for all things in life, and that is to turn to Jesus and cling to him. Like, if we can just turn to him and cling to him and keep our focus on him, right, the author, the perfecter of our faith, he's, we will be okay. We will be good, in fact, and we will have joy despite the painful reality sometimes of what we're going through. We will. So my encouragement to you, is quite simple this morning. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever trial, or when it does come, if you have a trial, that if you don't have any trials in your life right now, they're going to come. Turn to Jesus. Remember, he's the response in the midst of those. And you cling to him, and you worship him, and you spend time in his presence, because in his presence is fullness of joy, and in his presence the Lord reminds you who he is and the truth of his word and what he'll do in your life. Because honestly, in these moments... We need God to do what only God can do. We really do. We really, really do. If you'll bow your heads this morning, we're going to pray. And while, while you guys all have your heads bowed this morning, I just, if you're here this morning and and you're going through just a difficult season in life, and you just want some prayer, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of hands. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the promises that are within it. But Lord, I confess and I acknowledge that sometimes in the midst of difficulty and trial, we don't always feel joy. We don't always choose joy. We don't always worship you and spend time in your presence. Instead, we, we do the opposite sometimes. And 
And Lord, we do. We just want to trust you. We want to surrender to you in greater ways, Lord, and I thank you that you desire that we would cast our burdens, our cares upon you, Lord. Because like we said, your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and you love us and you're for us, you're not against us. We can trust you. And Lord, I pray for all those people this morning that raise their hands, Lord, that are going through difficulty. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just come and overwhelm them. That they, in a tangible, tangible way this morning, as we worship you, would experience that peace that goes beyond understanding, that living hope that you are God, the joy that is found in our salvation of you, Lord. Lord, that you would remind them of the truths of your word and who you are. Lord, thank you that there is more to life than what is here on this earth, that there is an eternity awaiting all of us where things are going to be absolutely incredible. Lord, may we treasure you above all things so that no matter what is taken from our lives, even if it's some of our greatest things here on earth, family members, loved ones, Father, that our treasure would always be you. And so that even in the midst of some of the greatest pain and difficulty, we can have hope and we can have joy because of you and who you are and what we have in you for all of eternity. Holy Spirit, come and just move amongst us. Fill us with your spirit in greater ways, Lord. May we walk in the spirit and worship you here this morning. May we truly enjoy your presence where there's fullness of joy. We love you, Jesus, and ask all this in your name. Amen.